on this episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. I would say that a Yale PhD student is doing a science class, like come drop your kids off and they'll learn some science. So I surprisingly did get kids coming in, parents would just leave and let them stay there with me. And we would um, pilot all these uh, original lessons where I would try to teach kids, uh, you know, um, molecular bonding and protein folding and show them all the stuff that I had learned as a PhD student. And I started to think, um, I started to see that these kids just snapped it up really quick and they just loved it. And they could tell that they were like desperate to learn this stuff. That and a whole lot more coming up. Jill, I am so excited for our guest today who truly is pushing kids to a new level that I think as adults, we often underestimate and think that they can't handle. That's right. His program is based on his own PhD level of advanced courses. And the reason why he is um, doing this is because he's so passionate about kids at all ages. And that includes current students of his that are five years old all the way up through college level um, or college age. And it's it's truly an amazing literacy program for the sciences. His program combines all of the areas of science so that the students are able to see how they're interconnected. Yeah, it's really incredible. And I love the part about it, which we're going to hear about in a second, how it is hands-on. So it takes this really complex learning topic and makes it hands-on so kids at any age can grasp and understand these huge concepts. At a PhD level. At a PhD level. So if you are a homeschool family or if you're just looking for a supplemental for your child who is super curious about science, we strongly recommend this program. Hello, everyone. Today, we are talking to high school teacher, Dr. Daniel Freed, a biochemist with a PhD from Yale. Dan's program allows kids to explore how medicines work, how molecules of life are structured, why diseases happen, and where colors and tastes come from. Welcome to Adventures in Being Gifted, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. All right, Dan. So we want to get into your program and everything that the biochemistry literacy for kids is all about. But first, will you tell us about your background growing up as a gifted kid and just your personal journey in education? Sure. So uh, I come from a family of teachers. Uh, My dad and my mom were both um, teaching third grade, fourth grade, um, different grades over the years. And my mom was the gifted um, uh, teacher for the district and also like a master teacher for the district. So I was always around education. I was always like in her classroom. Um, She would even let me like teach little classes to her kids or even other teachers sometimes because she was running in-service classes for the district. (laughs) So yeah, I was always like in this like meta level of education, uh, not just as a student. So I guess I was kind of destined to do this. My brother's a music teacher also. So we're a teacher family. Um, Not surprising what happened to me. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I grew up in a rural upstate New York, uh, you know, surrounded by nature. And I, you know, got very interested in science and uh, especially botany and entomology. That was, you know, what I was interested as a kid. 
And um, yeah, so I, I was really into a lot of things as a kid, not just science. I was into music. I was a music kid. Actually, I was a music major before I did science um, as, a, as a college uh, student. So I was a real music kid. I was an arts kid and just trying to, you know, be interested in everything and try to put everything together in, in my world. And that's what I, I always was very conscious of that, that I wanted to like try to learn everything. That was like my goal. I, I think other gifted kids have that sort of um, goal in mind. They're always trying to figure out like, what can I do to like understand everything? So I remember always making lists of things I was going to learn. And, you know, that's kind of what I was uh, into as a kid. Um, yeah. I did have you know, various learning challenges too. I had, you know, reading issues. I was able to, you know, operate mm -hmm. on, on grade level and probably above grade level, but, but, but reading and decoding was, the, was a challenge for me, mm -hmm. um, both in English and in music. So I was really good with music, but, but reading was always really hard for me. So as a teacher now, I'm always very conscious of kids with learning differences and kids that, you know, things don't come super quick for them, even if they may be gifted or talented in a certain area that there could be other things going on. So that's just part of my past that has shaped my, um, you know, presence as a teacher. Wow. What uh, passions did you have as a kid? What were you like super duper into? Yeah. So I was really into music. Um, you know, I was w playing trombone and euphonium um, at a very high level, you know, as, as I went through. What's a euphonium? Um, so that a euphonium is a baby tuba, oh, and no one gotcha. ever knows what it is. Gotcha. <laughs> Look at you, Jess. <laughs> they have them in Mason's sixth grade band. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, they're always in the back, so no one ever notices them. <laughs> wow. My instrument. Yeah, and um, I also played piano, but my, my brass instruments were my thing. And uh, so that was my main passion, I guess. So I was definitely a music kid. Um, I was Did always, you have a band, just, like, growing up? Did you I, form, I was, like, a little... I, didn't, I played... I played in other people's bands a little bit, but I was, I was really more like in the school band and things like that. Okay. I was like the drum major and in the choir and in the musicals and everything like that. Oh, wow. So that I was, you know, at the, you know, um, institutional level, not, not the uh, garage level. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was my main passion. Uh, other passions, I was into drawing a lot. I got more into art later. And then the, um, but as a very young kid, before I had, you know, a lot of formal science training, I was really into insects and we lived like kind of like on a, an area that used to be a, an old farm and there were just a lot of insects around and we had a swimming pool, which was really good at catching insects for me. And uh, I had this giant insect collection that was, you know, I think really impressive for the time. And um, I would, you know, just classify insects. I read insect field guides. One of the few things that I was actually good at reading. And uh, yeah, that was my like weird passion. I always had to be careful about who I showed the insect collection to because not everyone wants to see an insect collection when they come over to visit you. So um, <laughs> I've always I've had to filter myself a little bit with that. <laughs> so how did you transition from this going, you know, into college with a music degree into more into the science field? Yeah, I was always really torn with whether to do science or music. Um, you know, I did really well in, in most of the science classes, actually not so well in chemistry because of the math. The math was always also a problem for me, but I love the idea of chemistry. Uh, I was just better at biology. So, you know, I was always torn. Um, I was just really at, at a high level for music. I love teaching. So I did music education at Temple University, which is where I did my freshman year. And yeah, it was just always like what to do uh, I had some pre-med friends who were learning science and I was always kind of distracted by what they were learning. Mm -hmm. And I got into educational psychology, which kind of led me back into science. So one thing that happened in, in Temple, which was amazing, 
I was working with a professor who was part of this uh, music learning theory, which people might want to check out, is called uh, Gordon Music Learning Theory. Um, and this professor, um, Edwin Gordon, basically developed this um, kind of controversial, but like very cool and un unique way of teaching music that uses modal music, which is, uh, you know, a kind of scales that are not normal for, for Western music and also um, all kinds of interesting meters. So usually we're listening to, to things in 4-4 and 3-4, but his idea was to diversify, you know, a kid's experience and give them odd meters and things that are not, you know, typically Western um, scales and, and things. So I, mm. I worked in a, a special music institute for those kids in Center City, Philly. And that's where I started to see like little kids, like, you know, singing the tonic and the dominant of a scale when they're like, you know, one year old and things like that, like really kind of like interesting things. Like when you do, you know, kind of a unique approach to teaching, you get kind of interesting things coming out of the kids. So that kind of set me thinking like, oh, are there other ways of teaching that are not, you know, very well known? So that had a big influence on me in the beginning, um, you know, doing this music education stuff. Yeah. And I eventually gave in and, and you know, changed majors and changed colleges and um, went to Binghamton for um, biochemistry because I, I did start to get more interested in, you know, um, science again. So that's, that's how I made that tr transition. Wow. So it sounds like because you were open to learning different ways, like having different teaching methods taught to you that kind of inspired you to look at what you were doing personally in different ways, which then yeah, eventually sure. led you to your passion now of kind of full circle teaching high school science. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah. And that's what happened in, in college. You know, I went through college and, you know, you have the typical struggles trying to get through college, but I did fairly well in college. I ended up getting into Yale, which I was very surprised at. And, uh, but, you know, hmm. going through college, I was always reflective, like, because of my past, you know, uh, in a family of teachers, you know, trying to like, think, look at what is going on with these classes, like what's the work, what's working, what's not working. And I started to think, you know, I feel like I have something to offer the field of science education that's just not being done right now because of, you know, the troubles that I had uh, during it, but I didn't really know what to, I didn't know what that was. Like, I just knew that I would figure something out one day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it really took getting the PhD to become, you know, when you get the PhD, you're looking at the field from a bird's eye level and you have like a lot more in your brain than when you're a, a BS um, scientist. So towards the end of my PhD, I started to realize like, oh yeah, this is how I'm going to make my contribution that I could really do some special stuff with kids. And that's when I started running um, experimental classes at Yale that I didn't actually tell anyone about <laughs> and um, began Ooh. to kind of hone, hone, hone my um, teaching methods. And, and then I started to really, um, you know, realize that this is what I, what I could do later in my career. So were you teaching undergrads at Yale or were you teaching like professor kids? Who were you teaching at Yale secretly? Yeah. So I, I mean, I had to teach um, undergrads. So I was teaching, you know, the lab TA and everything like that. So I was doing that kind of teaching, but I needed like a lot more flexibility and leeway in what I was doing because I wanted to control um, the curriculum. But I also mm. thought, you know, part of this issue was when you're a grown up, when you're in, in college and even high school, you're kind of, your goals are very defined. You're trying to get an A, you're trying to get into college or grad school or med school or whatever. And the way you approach the subject is not always from this like authentic way that a little kid would approach learning. And the way I remember then I, the way I still learn everything, this is why I sort of never fit in because I never grew out of the 
um, like the kid phase of wanting to just learn for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. I never really like got into this like competitive thing that I saw in college and things like that. Um, so what I did is I would um, uh, sign out these rooms to, you know, you could sign out a room if you needed a room for something at Yale. Um, but I would uh, recruit kids over Craigslist to come in for experimental science classes. Okay. So I would say that the Yale Yale PhD student is doing a science class. Like, come drop your kids off and they'll learn some science. So I surprisingly did get kids coming in. Parents would just leave and let them stay there with me. And we would um, pilot all these uh, original lessons where I would try to teach kids, uh, you know, um, molecular bonding and protein folding and show them all the stuff that I had learned as a PhD student. And I started to think, um, I started to see that these kids just snapped it up really quick and they just loved it. And they, you could tell that they were like desperate to learn this stuff. So I started to think, oh, well, there's definitely a resonance between what I think kids should learn and what kids want to learn. So it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, I'm not just kind of thinking of some weird ideas that are unwanted. So that's where I started to really get this biochemistry literacy for kids thing going and um, started to really believe that I could do it in the future. We want to know more. We want to know more yeah. about how you are, you know, how you've taken this teaching method that you created and are teaching these extremely high level science concepts to even elementary age children. Yeah. And one thing that I find is that the younger the kid to a level, like not two years old, but the younger you get, the easier it gets to teach this. And the older the kids get, the more resistance there can be Ah, and the more confused they can be. It's like totally opposite. And when I try to explain it to certain professional people, they like disagree with it. But I'm just, you know, I, this is what I do every day for the last like 10 years almost. So I, I'm, I don't think I'm imagining it anymore. It's just (laughs) a fact of of how this, this approach works. The elementary is, is really the, um, the sweet spot for this. Um, because they're just, they just want to learn this stuff. Just like I always wanted to understand the world when I was a kid, these kids are just, they just want to know this world that they've been put into. They want to know how all this stuff works and yeah. they don't care about getting an A on the, um, on their final or a five on the AP or something like that. Although there are kids that are older that, that genuinely do want to learn it, but it's just a different set of priorities that they have. Um, so you can go so much deeper, um, into the subject. Um, so yeah, so yeah so we're not mind. Just, they're, they're, they're like little sponges. They want to want to know it all. And they're still so they curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're definitely curious. And um, it's just, it just resonates with them. So when I was, a, after my postdoc, I came back to be a professor and I was lucky enough to get professor jobs. Um, I uh, was tenured at St. Peter's University uh, as a chemistry professor. Um, but then during the, um, and then all that time I was running these classes in school. So as a, as a grad student, it's kind of hard to get anyone, any attention, but as a professor, I was able to kind of, um, and I had some people help me get into some schools and I was able to run some like larger scale programs and I filmed some documentaries about it. Um, that's also when the program got into, yeah, the program got into the New York times, a little feature in the New York times. So I was able to kind of like get some traction. Yeah. And I probably taught almost 200 classes I've calculated over the years I was a professor in, in, in different schools, elementary schools, junior high schools, high schools in um, the New York area. Um, so I really, really went for it. Um, yeah. It was still like not getting that much traction because it's still a pretty weird idea to, to do um, biochemistry, the college level stuff with younger kids. Um, but then over the pandemic, that's when things kind of changed because I had time to do Zoom classes and connect with parents. And I discovered the homeschool community and the gifted community. 
And um, that's when I kind of adapted all the stuff that I had created as a professor. Um, I started to adapt it for homeschool use. So it has videos and, you know, answer keys and you don't need to be, um, um, you know, any kind of a trained uh, teacher to do it uh, so much. The kids, the kids more or less do it themselves now. So that's what the pandemic allowed me to do. And then over the last two or three years, the program has grown to, we have almost a thousand lifetime users, uh, fam- families that have used it. And then also schools have started licensing it. So that's what, um, that's like the state of that right now. And uh, yeah, I'm just really trying to make everyone in the world do this because we haven't talked about like what biochemistry is yet, Yeah. but it's an amazing subject that Tell answers us. all these questions that kids want to know. So that's why I'm like wanting to get, get it into schools because it's just, and, and, and homeschool because it's just something that is not really there, but it should be there based on society's knowledge of the world now. It's something that needs to be updated, I feel. Oh, in, in absolutely. So with your program, you have founded Biochemistry Literacy for Kids, which is a program. Is that a program that you can purchase? Like when I say you, anyone, the general public, can they purchase it? Do you have to be hooked up with school? Do you have to be a homeschool parent or family? How, tell us more. Tell us how it works, how this curriculum sure, yeah. is available for people. Yeah, so I, I made the curriculum uh, available online, actually just for one school. There was a school that I um, saw me at a conference in New Jersey, and the teachers were math teachers, but they said, oh, we have this new STEM lab, a STEM uh, kind of hybrid uh, class, and we'd love to incorporate this um, because it uses molecular modeling and you're building things, and there's a computer modeling component, and it's just really cool and like STEM-like. So I basically moved the program onto the internet for them, just for that one school. Um, and then once it's stuck on the internet for a while, um, homeschoolers start to just discover it organically. So then um, I had to, you know, start to help them out. And I would actually onboard each family individually in the, in the old days (laughs) and have like individual meetings with them. But then I started to streamline it and make it more um, like scalable. So, so yeah. So basically when you um, go to the website, you can subscribe to the curriculum online, uh, which is a, it's a very, um, reasonably priced okay. um, yeah, that was our next for, question. for what you're getting. You're, you're getting a college course. Like this really should be college credit for kids. I have not found a college that will let me do this yet, but it's a, it's a legit college course taught by a Yale PhD college professor. And it's really could be a college course that was in a college. Um, and you also can get a customized model kit, which I work with uh, Molly mod to create this uh, special kind of a, a, a molecular modeling kit that's aligned to the program and does some kind of unique stuff. And uh, that's pretty much all you need. And then you can um, learn basically uh, all the core information in in biochemistry and and a lot of uh, regular uh, general chemistry topics too. And uh, I also have Zoom classes, which are optional. So this year I'm running, um, it's kind of a lot. I think I'm running five different Zoom classes from different times um, of the week. So you can do that too. You can participate with other kids from around the world and have your answer, your questions answered by me. And it's super fun. We also have seminar speakers come. So I'm trying to actually, the, the, the secret behind all this, I'm trying to create an online college for kids. So I'm trying to do all the things that a college would do, including having seminar speakers, which is a big part of the experience, um, for a chemistry department. So we have people come in like different professors or, uh, you know, people from industry, and, you know, from time to time, we have these like free seminars where kids can, you know, hear from other people besides me. So that's really fun. Yeah, um, yeah there's lots, lots of other things that are in the works for the program. But um, that's the core of it. They, you know, they just come come on the site, start um, start the curriculum. They learn from 
the very beginning. You don't have to have any any um, background for this. You just start learning about the periodic table, about bonding. Mm. We work our way up to bigger molecules, biomolecules, protein folding, um, diseases, everything. So it's uh, and it's growing all the time. I'm creating new content for it um, all the time. So let me ask you this: so for districts and teachers who are you know already trying to cover you know, the state standards and all the things that they need to cover in a normal school year, where do you see this fitting in best in, let's say a school day in a normal district? Would you say put it in a STEM lab or what kind of environment or who would be teaching it? Yeah. Or is this kind of on the side, like a supplemental? Yeah, it's been used in different ways. Um, It's actually been used district wide. So we've had large school districts, not many, because awesome. I don't, I don't try to market it. And I don't, I don't really have any ability to, to deal with this on a large scale at this point. Um, but the, uh, but schools will discover it and I work with them and whatever they need, I'll, I'll do the professional development for the teachers, but it's been used by, you know, big districts where they use it with hundreds of kids during the school day as, as part of their regular science classes. Oh, nice. And I'll send them a few hundred model kits and it's, it's in the school, which is amazing. I, I was, I'm always, uh, very happy when a school will, will, will take that on. Uh, it's also been used in smaller um, schools, like a, it's been used in gifted schools and, you know, more specialized environments. But I made it, the reason I made it is so that it could be used by any teacher. You don't have to be a professor to do this. Any teacher who's interested in kind of going a little bit farther and, um, you know, helping the kids, you know, with the molecular side of things, they can, they can do it. And I get really good feedback from the teachers, whether it's an elementary teacher or a middle school teacher, that it's not hard to do. It actually lifts them up because a lot of us, including me, we have kind of like a traumatic background sometimes with chemistry. I don't know about you guys, but it can be uh, a bad memory in a way, hmm. but this is designed to help your bad memories go away <laughs> because um, it's it's a more um, you know unique way of looking at chemistry that's more physical and um, you know visual. So it can definitely be used by any kind of teacher, I, I would say. And as far as it fitting in with the standards, it depends on the, the grade level, but you can usually find ways to align it. Um, right now, it's a generic um, learning sequence. So I don't have like a kindergarten version and a first grade version. I would love to do that, but I think I would require some government funding to, to, to do that kind of uh, thing. But right now, what you would do is kind of pick and choose um, different things that might help you out. So for example, just the first unit alone gives the kids an amazing molecular foundation where they may not already have that. Um, they may not understand the difference between an atom and a molecule in a cell, but in the very first unit that get that gets really clarified in a really unique way. So any, any grade could use that kind of lesson. Um, you know, later on the kids are responsible for covalent bonding. So I have what I feel is the best covalent bonding animation that mm-hmm. I could ever make. Um, we have, you know, beautiful things that are higher level. So like in high school, kids have, at least in my high school, the kids have to learn about protein folding and macromolecular things. So these are, you know, really, really high level and, um, very just, you know, they're like a joy to, to learn from and teach, I think just how visual they are because I have all kinds of special, um, you know, visualizations and things. So yeah, any level and it's made for schools. I hope more schools will do it in the future. So thinking about, so I was telling you, I was telling my 10 year old daughter about you yesterday. And she was like all in, she was like, that is so cool. I want to know more. So like, even as an individual parent, can you purchase this on like a small scale basis to do at home with your kids? 
Yeah. So there's two, I mean, most of the people who do this are homeschoolers. So, and 10 years old is probably the, the exact um, peak of, of the enrollment. Like every 10 year old who sees it wants to yeah, wants to exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So if you're, if you're a homeschool or enrichment, you know, you just want to do enrichment. I'm actually not aware of like how many homeschool versus just, you know, regular school kids who just want enrichment there are, it's probably a mixture. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you just want to learn it, it's, it's not that intense. I mean, it's, when I make my lessons, what I feel like I'm doing is I'm putting in tons of time to make a beautiful lesson that's interesting and that's just really quick to learn the stuff so that the kids don't have to do it. And so the parents don't have to invest that time. Um, as a kid, I remember just staring at books for hours and hours, like all through the night, like getting stuck on things. And mm. I'm trying to do the unstucking, the unsticking, <laughs> like what are those things that are going to be a problem? We make 20 slides on that so that that's not a problem. So I'm trying to make it so that it's really more of a um, democratization of the subject and anyone can get into it. There's a lower, lower barrier to entering it and you can kind of go through it at your own pace. So, yeah, so for homeschool is good. And I would love more teachers to do it, too, um, because that's really why I made it. I made it so that, you know, thousands and thousands of kids could get into this because the big question here is like, why are we doing this? Right. <laughs> so Tell us. It's cool and everything. And, and kids want to learn it, obviously. And kids should learn it because it's, it's um, you know, understand their world and all that. But like we need a much more informed um, population to deal with all the challenges that are going to come in the future. We have, um, you know, the pandemic, unfortunately, proved proved us right that we needed we need some more. Um, you know, help with, you know, dealing with these kinds of things. We, we need people who are literate in microbiology and biochemistry. And, and these, are the, these are what we need, actually. There's going to be environmental issues and honestly, just medical problems. You know, we still mm-hmm. have all kinds of diseases that need work on. And if you could put the knowledge of a, a first-year graduate student in biochemistry into a 10-year-old, that's a different kind of person than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Um, and these are the people that I work with every day. It's like amazing that, that this is what it is, that we have kids now that are operating at like a senior level high school beginning or not, sorry, sorry, senior level college and intro to um, graduate school level. These kids are on a totally different trajectory than we've ever seen before. So the question is like, what happens to these kids now? <laughs> like, what are they going right. to, what's the payoff going to be for them? So if so we, that's the exciting thing. Yeah. If we start putting this knowledge into the younger kids who their interest, their curiosity has not faded, as you've said before, yeah. th- I mean, do we even have many of those kids out there right now and what that's going to look like in terms of their ability to problem solve real world problems yeah. like you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, they're in my classes, they're in my Zoom classes. Um, like I said, there's a, almost a thousand lifetime users. There's, you know, hu- probably hundreds of the kids in my program would probably be classified like this. Okay. That are just really at a level that we've never seen before. And I would love like educational psychologists to collaborate with me. Yeah. And I would love more institutional collaboration because it's more or less me by myself. I've had some. Um, people help me write papers, you know, peer edited papers and things. But this is like a really unique situation that we have. And it's and it's ongoing. The kids are continuing to come back every year and they're just getting better and better. And um, I would just love for people to see to see what those kids are like, because they yeah. they have this joy about the subject and this like um, kind of uncontrollable excitement um, about about it. And the more they learn, the, the, the more that grows. So are you having the kids actually try to tinker around with some real life problems or are they just taking in the new knowledge and then 
how would you have them apply that new knowledge? Yeah, so that's a great question because a lot of people, um, skeptical people, not like you, skeptical people will <laughs> say, oh, you're, you're making them memorize a bunch of stuff. They're memorizing all their amino acids and uh, that's great. But what's it for? Can they apply it to anything? Um, so I have finally got, got something for them to do. I'm collaborating with a professor at um, the Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT. Yeah. Um, and this um, uh, professor is actually in collaboration with the Protein Data Bank, which is uh, uh, where it's the repository for all the world's um, macromolecule structures. So when a lab anywhere in the world discovers a new molecule and its 3D shape, it sends that information to the PDB, uh, which is actually housed at Rutgers, which is right near my school here. What this collaboration is going to do is it's going to um, allow my students in my program to start to um, look at the proteins that are in this data bank, but have unknown functions. So one thing that happened recently is that AI has been um, basically scoured all of the protein sequences of the entire world. <laughs> There's wow. like millions and millions of protein sequences and it has solved the structure of them. So they have these beautiful 3D ribbon diagrams um, that you, I wish I could show you, but that, that's the structure of a protein. The computers have solved the structure of these proteins, millions of them from all different kinds of living things, but we don't know what they do for sure yet. So this um, per, um, collaboration is going to allow us to have the students do certain um, manipulations in the computer and kind of mining the data, I guess, hmm. to figure out what the real functions of these proteins are, and then they can actually publish the, the, the results. Um, wow. And this is something that's actually done in high schools already with, the, with his program. It's called BASIL, if anyone wants to ch uh, check it out. Yeah. But we're going to use ba the BASIL curriculum on the little kids. It's been used in high school, but we're using it on the little kids. So they're going to actually get involved in real science um, and looking at real proteins that are, that are not understood yet and making some actual contributions. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing this year. Yeah. Really all I can do, you know, because these kids aren't allowed in labs. Like I can't put them in a real uh, chemistry lab. It, it, there's just they just won't be accepted by too many <laughs> by too many places. But this is something that happens on the computer. So they so it's something that I think we will re really be able to do. So that's that's the that's the, the plan for this year as far as um, problem based and applied and trying to do something useful for society. So we'll see how that works. And that's going to be their first look into being a real scientist, not just, a, you know, taking in information. So we love this. And as you said, <laughs> we're in. Um, and we we always tell our kids, you know, oh, my gosh, we're going to teach you something eighth graders learn or we're going to teach you something that adults kids do in high school or whatever. And they just are all in as soon as they hear like, oh, my gosh, older kids are doing this like and we can do it, too. That's amazing. So that's our philosophy. Obviously, that's your philosophy. So what kind of yeah. pushback have you gotten and how do you handle that? Like, are people oh, yeah. saying they should? just flat out, you shouldn't be teaching kids this. I try not to be negative anymore because it's, I'm kind of, we're on an upward trend. Yes. But yeah, if you interviewed me like four years ago, I would have been very depressed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it really was a struggle to get to this level. And like I said, discovering the homeschool and um, gifted community is really, really allowed this to go on. I don't think I could have continued on with the other way, but um, yeah, it's, you've, I've heard everything uh, that you might, say, you know, it, it can be a challenge for someone to realize that a kid is so advanced and can be smarter than them. Like a lot of people don't want, they don't really want to see that. 
So that's the impression that I've gotten sometimes from people who don't, who want to get rid of it and, and kind of push it away. Um, I've heard all kinds of, yeah, I'm just trying not to be negative about it. But there so tell us how, so tell us what success have you, have you been documenting or re- like collecting some research to say that kids can do this? And it, like you said a minute ago, you haven't, obviously you have all these kids, but I, I'm trying to like get my words Wait, out. What's your evidence? Like yeah. what, what is your comeback yeah. four years now down the line where you're seeing so much success and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is working. Do you just show them some of the student work or do you, are you able to video some of your students? Like, what do you show back to like, just say, boom, mic drop, see it for yourself. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately the people who like this believe it right away at face value, because why would I spend all my time doing this? They just, and they kind of know themselves. So it's, it's now it's like people either believe in it right away or they'll never believe in it. So I don't really try to do much for people who don't believe in it. Um, but if anyone was, wants to check it out, the best thing to do is just come to a Zoom class. Mm. Because I always invite people to Zoom classes because then you can see it's, you know, it's, it's nothing edited and you'll see the kids operating in a basically a college classroom. And you'll hear their questions, you'll hear their answers. And it's just shocking. It's just absolutely shocking to see what, what the level these kids are at. Um, and sometimes not even after that long, you know, after maybe a few weeks, you're already getting kids that are, that would be impressive, um, you know, in in a college class. And I've had professors come in and they just can't believe that it's happening. Yeah. And, uh, but it is, it is happening. Yeah. Um, in the, in the early days I ran a, you know, early as I think three years ago, I ran, um, some classes at, um, a public school in Jersey city and also at a private school. And I actually did have collaboration and we, um, I had some educational psychology professor uh, in different one in each for each paper. We actually published some peer reviewed um, article uh, articles about it. And it shows, you know, um, before and after um, surveys and, um, you know, different kinds of um, evidence that would be acceptable for someone like that. So we have done peer edited uh, papers. I'd love to do more of those now, but since I'm not a, a, a I'm, I'm a, you know, physical life and life scientist, I'm not a social scientist. So for me to actually publish more education articles, I'd really need more collaborators. So that's one thing I'm always trying to find is people who can structure questions properly that will be acceptable for, um, for a high profile journal, because it can't yeah. just be like, oh, I, I think my kids learned a lot of stuff. Here's some evidence. It's not that simple for, for people in the field. So we would need, you know, controlled studies to be done and it has to be done in a, a specific way. Um, so that's another thing that I'm hoping to do more of, but I definitely just need, I need to defer to a collaborator to design, design those studies. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really, I mean, just, but you don't have to be a, a, a educational psychologist to see when you sure. go to Zoom classes that, that this is a really, really different kind of thing than, than ever has been seen before. So that's the one thing I would say is, is check out a Zoom class. Um, or I have some videos on the website that show some of the stuff, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing to see what these kids can do. So in your opinion, what advice could you give to educators who are in this every day to maybe do a little differently in schools to kind of keep children interested in science? Yeah. So I think that the molecular stuff is really important and it's, it's really a little bit lacking, I think from the standards, especially early on. So that's really why I made this. And there's a free uh, lesson. The first lesson is just on the website. So if you want to just go to the website, you can see what the first lesson is. 
Uh, that's another way to sell people on it. Just have them watch the first lesson. They'll kind of see what they're getting into. And even the first lesson is going to really improve any kind of science course that you have, that you have, because it's going to show in the first lesson, we look at um, oxygen binding to the heme and hemoglobin. So they're seeing things like, you know, how does respiration work a little bit? How does oxygen get into our blood? They're seeing that all at the molecular level and they're building using the model kits, some simple molecules. And it just dispels a lot of um, myths, I guess, and it gives them some clarity about the molecular world. So um, I would say that using modeling, especially for the molecular world, is so helpful because the world's made of molecules. So if you can't uh, have an, if you don't get what molecules and atoms are, you're always going to be on this kind of like floating level where you're not connected to that lower uh, molecular level. So so my my the point of the program is to create this extremely like almost like um, uh, barrier to um or a foundation so that you can build on all the other things in the world uh, in science be, be based on this molecular foundation dan you've told us you know whether it, we've read it on your website or in your bio but you are truly changing the world of gifted education and as gifted intervention specialists that is our thing and we want to continue to kind of join you in that effort what would be your ultimate goal or mission to keep changing that gifted world and how, how can we all join you to achieve it? Yeah. I mean, the ultimate goal with this is to make this, you know, uh, get, get more traction for this so that it can be really what it needs to be. Um, right now, the curriculum outlines the foundation of a biochemistry, you know, um, course, like a biochemistry one course. But my real goal here is to, kind of delve into all the different niches of, of science. So fill out the program so that it's a complete AP chemistry prep program. Fill out so it's a complete AP bio um, program. Uh, go into medicinal chemistry so that kids can understand the basis of every disease they've ever heard of. Um, understand why every medicine that they might have ever heard of works. Hmm. Um, because we're just so close to that. You know, after these 24 lessons that the kids uh, learn from my website, they're just they, they have all these, it's, I almost visualize like they see this like, you know, series of doors and they're just like just so close to opening every one of these doors to a, um, medicinal chemistry or environmental chemistry or, uh, you know, uh, material science. They're all so close. So I would just love for the thing to get more um, financially secure, more, more support, um, more collaborators and more users so that I could really do that work. Um, that I know I can do and that I, or, or, you know, that, that, that's so close to being, being ready. And then it could be so different, you know, instead of kids graduating high school with, um, you know, AP, AP chem is like the best level of chemistry yeah. you could ever get to at this point. But what if we graduate high school with, um, you know, a, a pharmacy degree level of hmm. knowledge? Wow. Like, that's what I believe that that can, that can be done. And when people said that I couldn't teach, um, you know, eight-year-old simple things like covalent bonding without them, you know, losing interest, I, I don't believe that anything is impossible. So those kinds of goals, I think, are it's just a matter of time. And the time is, you know, how many people are going to help me do it uh, and be a part of it. That's just the the, the difference there. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking for to professionalize what this is and maybe find investors or people who. Um, can really, really affect this. And you know, ev honestly, every parent who does this is, a, is um, you know, just a precious resource for me and a precious um, collaborator, actually. And every kid who does this is a collaborator. And everyone who does it, you know, um, is part of this mission. So just, you know, just increasing the, the forces behind this right. is all I'm really looking for. Well, I taught 
or I should say I coached um, Science Bowl for several years for our um, intermediate level grade levels, like uh, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade students. And it's interesting because we kind of approached it like, okay, you student, A, you're going to go off and study this direction or this department of science. And then, you know, like life science and this other person, you're going to go off and study this other section. And it, and we just divided it. And it really, I felt like discombobulated the whole idea. And what you're Mm. really saying is early on teaching these kids, teaching them how it's all connected, all the sciences, that's going to give them such a better understanding for science in general. And so by the time they're in high school, it's not going to be an intro to chemistry, they're already going to have such a strong foundation for that chemistry class that they're going to just excel way beyond what we're currently doing for our AP high schoolers. You know, and I, I just think that's, why not? Why wouldn't we want to do that? All over the yeah, country, all over the world. And that's really the, the big goal is to really change everyone's thinking about what's possible. I mean, someone has to do this work. Someone has to do transformative stuff. I mean, how, how, how advanced is society going to get mm-hmm. where we're still graduating kids at 18 years old, knowing just ke- high school chemistry, like it has to go more than that. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to keep up with, with progress. You know, that's why, that's where the research part comes in. Kids being involved in like actually helping to understand these structures that are just been solved by AI. Um, so, so we need to get that, um, we need to accelerate what we're doing in education to keep up with progress. And then another thing you said is, um, kind of resonates with my music background if you want to have a kid be a really great pianist or a really great, um, you know, violin player, would you wait until they're, you know, 15 or 16 years old to give them the violin? Or would you maybe give it to them when they're, you know, six years old? Because that's that's the, the, the great musicians of the world started when they were six or seven years old. Usually they weren't given an instrument when they were, um, you know, a senior in high school and, and asked, OK, now you're going to play a concerto. Um, it can't work that way. So we have to start much earlier. And so I'm really applying a lot of this music mindset to science. And I think that um, and that, that it's working. One thing we didn't say is why is it called biochemistry literacy? Because I believe that science is, um, can be taught like a language. So we, you know, kids are learning their mm-hmm. language from when they're one mm-hmm. year old. So that's the idea is that, you know, you, you just build, build and build and build. And then this becomes a, a, a native language for them. They're, they're biochemistry natives is what we have in my classes. Um, we don't have someone who learned it for a test or for to show off. They, they learned it as this is part of their brain. It's a part of their personality. And um, that's that's really the goal of it is to make people so connected with the subject that they don't even feel like it was part of their school in a way. That it's just part of what they are and part of their connection to the world. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, that's incredible. And nice. we just wish you the best of luck on this incredible journey that you're on and mission that you have. And we are here to support you in any way that we can. But we want to also say thank you for being with us today and giving us your time. Thank you. And it's so nice to be able to say all my ideas to you guys. Um, it's just really great to, to, to talk to you guys. And I hope that we can connect with more of your, um, your, more of your friends online. Absolutely. And one last question. We're dying to know, what is your favorite insect from growing <laughs> up in your well, insect not- collection? <laughs> it's not the spotted lanternfly, which is a big problem over here. I don't know if you guys have them out where you are, but we no. have some invasive species out here. Yeah, we have an invasive <laughs> species issue over here with the spotted <laughs> lanternfly. Um, my favorite insect, I loved ants as a kid. So I read some of E.O. Wilson's books as a kid, and I just felt like I was like him. 
So I would like literally watch an anthill for like four hours when I was a kid, just like seeing what the ants do. Um, I don't do that anymore. I just don't have time. But I do like ants a lot. I love their cooperation and their social um, nature, I guess, and, you know, all the different cool things that ants do. That is awesome. (laughs) That is really interesting. Well, we live in, you know, Southwest Ohio. And so we have pretty Mm -hmm. basic, I mean, I'm saying this from not really having a lot of experience in science insects or whatever, but we have a lot of just basic ants, I would say. (laughs) But when I went to Costa Rica this summer on a student trip, we saw a lot of those, um, gosh, I'm not even remembering the name of it, but the ants that are in the line and they carry leaf cutter. The leaf cutters. Thank you for filling that in for me. Yes. That's cool. So yeah. yeah. That do agriculture are very cool. It's crazy how they, what they do there. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you, Dan. This has been amazing. And we are so excited to share this episode with our listeners so that they too can check out your website, check out your summer opportunities that you also are um, building into your program and just check out the biochemistry literacy for kids. This is a great program and we are definitely going to spread the word about it. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It was great to talk to you guys. You know, Jessica, this conversation with Dan makes me think about what we do with our students in our own classroom. Um, Our students are third grade, so they're typically eight and nine, and they seem to really be fascinated by science. And we know that because we typically ask for their input on what our next unit is going to be. And nine times out of 10, science is the most popular vote of all of our choices. And it's just so cool to see and hear about Dan's program, Biochemistry Literacy for Kids, and how it is hitting thousands of students across the country and all over the world. Yeah. And it, I think we, like I said earlier, underestimate our students and they surprise us when given an opportunity because they are curious, especially at our age that we deal with every day in third grade. You give them an opportunity to be curious and they will surprise you every time. (laughs) They will go, they will take the time to do the research to figure out the answers because curiosity is just so prevalent. Yeah, it's limitless. It's all over. And they are just dying to find out more and they want to know how everything is truly connected instead of just individual science like departments or concepts that it all connects together. It makes me think of the burning question that we do in our classroom and how if Mm -hmm. they hear something that strikes an interest in them, we encourage them to go home and ask, find a source, ask their parents and just dive in and learn about it because why not? Why not? Yeah. Why why hold these kids back? Yeah. And come back and tell us the rest of the story and what all they've been able to find out. And then it's cool to see how other kids add on to that. Or in some cases, some students will respectfully disagree. And that just leads to all kinds of, you know, different perspectives and points of view. And again, coming back to this idea of curiosity leads to so much learning, critical thinking, all, all of the thinking levels. And it's just, 
awesome to know that Dan is creating this program out there for anybody who's interested. So we strongly recommend checking Dan out. You can find him on YouTube, on social media. Um, have at it. Go yeah. I'm check looking it for, out. I'm looking forward to get my hands on it myself to learn <laughs> something new. <laughs> All right, you do that. <laughs> All right, until next week, take care. Welcome to our voice segment where we are passing the mic to parents, teachers, and leaders to hear about their gifted adventures. Hi, my name is Hui, and my son Hansen is currently eight, and Hansen has been. Um, studying biochemistry with Dr. Freed for over two years now. Uh, Hansen started when he was barely six. He was five and a half. And then that was when COVID first happened and school was went online. And so Hansen had all these free time uh, at home. And he had always been very, very interested in learning about science. So I was looking for online virtual classes or virtual resources for him to learn more science. But unfortunately, at that time, a lot of the resources or classes I found really um, didn't allow younger children to be part of it. I think our society have this idea, which is really arbitrary when you think about it, is when you are, are a certain age, you are allowed to learn certain things, right? So we can only learn chemistry, serious chemistry, when we entered high school and after we've learned algebra one, right? That's pretty arbitrary, right? Um, and so for younger children like Hansen, who were really intensely interested in learning about real science, it became really hard. I just remember that I was signing him up. I finally found a class that um, that he would be really interested and, uh, and that didn't say that there was an age limit. So I signed him up and I remember clearly the next day I received an email from the class saying that your student is underaged and here's your money back. So that has been the experience until we found uh, the biochemistry literacy for kids curriculum. And um, Dan was just so uh, wonderful and he is so open-minded and, 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 and here's the thing. I think he's just so confident in how well he explains the material that he thought that a five-year-old could definitely understand and benefit from it. I think you just have to understand something so deeply to be able to explain it so simply so a five-year-old can understand. I, I think that's what is so special about this curriculum. So Hansen has had such fun in this class. Uh, and not only did he learn a great deal of um, science, of the subject matter, I would say that it opens up a world for him to see uh, our our world very differently, see our environment very differently. He has a very fundamental understanding of what makes up the world and how things work, right? For example, we went, um, it's summer, so we went camping the other day and uh, we started a campfire. And Hansen just saw that campfire 
and and just kind of was able to explain to us the different color uh, fire and and why they are different color. Right. The other day we were also um, looking at um, different colors of uh, flowers, and Hanson was able to point to me. Um, that what something it's something in the molecules that make something either transparent or has color. Um, I didn't understand um, the science, but he uh, kind of understood it perfectly and explained it to us. It's something about the carbon bonding, I think, right? They really see the world in a very uh, different and fundamentally different way and understands the world differently. So I think what's great about this age is that they haven't, these children ha- is still trying to develop their, their knowledge, their view of, of, of the world. And then in this, at this young age, when we introduce them to serious science, they actually develop a really accurate, um, scientific and deep understanding of the environment around us. So I think that is just so great about this class. Also, it has been a really great community. Um, so after the class was ended last school year, a group of kids decided that that they are going to meet by themselves and uh, do some research uh, on a on a topic. I think they have decided a uh, a disease that they are going to research on, and then these kids just use Slack and communicate with each other, and they are making their own powerpoints. Um, so it becomes a really um, uh, it's really good community where these kids can talk to other kids who also understand the same thing and be like, oh my God, I'm not alone in, in terms of my intense interest in science. There are other kids who are just like me and who are, are just as serious about uh, science as I am. Um, so the biochemistry literacy for kids curriculum is definitely not just a curriculum. It is a community. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating, write a review, and tell all your friends too. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BeingGiftedPod. And join us again next time for more Adventures in Being Gifted. Gifted.